Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time of day you're tuning in. I just want to say thank you for choosing uh, to be with us in our Oasis family. Christina, I love you so much. Uh, You got me all teary-eyed on that. Thank you so much. Um, She was actually my first friend, one of my first friends that I made when I moved here. Uh, Like she mentioned, my name is Kayla Turner. My husband and I are on staff here at Oasis Church as the Next Steps pastors. Uh, A little bit about me. I'm from Ohio. My husband is from New Jersey. Uh, We met in Florida, got married in Florida, and then we just moved here a year and a half ago from DC. So do the math, I'm not sure. All I know is that when you say yes to Jesus, he will take you on quite the adventure. And I love the adventure that he's taken me and my family on. We have, I'm just gonna confidently say this, the two most beautiful little girls you will ever see in your life. And they have the most amazing personalities to match that. Uh, We've got Eden, she's about to turn five at the end of this month, and I'm not sure that my heart knows what to do about that. And then uh, my sassy Sayla, she is three. Uh, We call her our little peanut, Uh, but y'all, she's a firecracker, so don't play with Sayla. Uh, Those are my girls, I love them so dearly. I mentioned uh, we moved out here about a year and eight months ago exactly now, Um, and it was one of those things Things where never saw ourselves coming out to the West Coast. Everybody's in the East Coast, our families and everything. Um, but we came out here actually to visit some friends and God spoke. He's like, hey, you're supposed to be here. And when God speaks, you say yes, because you know that he's got good stuff in store for you. And can I tell you that since being here, I have already made some of the best friends of my life. The community here, we are so grateful for this house, Oasis. And I'm just really grateful to be here here with you um, today. So a little bit about me as well. Um, My dad is a pastor. My mom is a pastor. I grew up church planting in the middle of nowhere in Amish country, Ohio. Uh, And actually on my dad's side of the family, pastors going back generations and generations um, into the 1900s. And so uh, preaching the gospels in my veins, I love it. I love for people to hear the gospel. I remember my first sermon I wrote when I was five years old. I would preach that sucker at the playground. I had no friends. um, And I did think I was cool until I tried to, you know, show my friends at school like my Bible study and stuff. And it was just like not cool. Um, But I say all that to say, we're going back to OG, five-year-old Kayla. We're going to do just an amazing Bible study today. And I'm really excited about it because God's word has so much amazing stuff in it. Uh, But sometimes you got to dig and that journey is really fun for me. So we're going to do that together today. Um, And before we dive in, here's what I want you to do. Grab your phone, uh, uh, pull up your Bible app, get your, if you're OG like me and you like that hard copy, get your hard copy Bible out and uh, get a journal out. When we really get into God's word, it's helpful to read along, to take notes, to really engage in scripture so that you can get the most out of this. And that's what I want for you today. So would you do that with me? Uh, Before we get started, let's pray. God, Um, I'm just really grateful to be here. I'm grateful for who you are, and I'm grateful for this community online. Um, And I pray, Jesus, that your Holy Spirit would be felt and realized in each space that are hearing these words. I pray, Jesus, that there would be an awareness of your voice and of your presence, 
and that you would help us to be so keenly in tune with what it is that you want to speak to us through your, uh, your scripture that you've given to us today. In your name we pray, amen. Okay, so I mentioned we're going to be doing a Bible study today, and we're going to be coming out of Revelation uh, 3, verses 14 through 22, but before we get there, let me just set the scene for you a little bit. You know, when you go to the movies and there's always that opening scene where it kind of sets the stage, okay? So here's your opening scene for this. John, one of Jesus' disciples, after Jesus had gone up to be with the Father and left us the Holy Spirit, John, the other disciples, they're spreading the gospel news of Jesus Christ. They're being persecuted, and John was being persecuted for his faith in Jesus Christ. And so he ends up getting exiled to an island called Patmos, no big deal. And while he's there, this is the kind of man of faith he was. While he's there, he's like, oh, yeah this prison cell seems like a really great place for me to just receive a revelation from God uh, for the churches and just to encourage people. And so he took that time that was supposed to be something that oppressed him to be something that would be a time to lift up these churches that were growing in these other cities. And so he prayed and Jesus spoke to him and gave him seven letters to seven different churches. And what we're going to do today is dive into one of those letters to the church of Laodicea. Are you with me? All right, great. Get your scriptures out. Let's dive in. Revelation 3, 14 through 22. And it starts like this. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, The Amen, the faithful and true witness, the origin of the creation of God, says this. Quite the intro. I know your deeds that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot because you're lukewarm and neither hot nor cold. I will vomit you out of my mouth. That is intense. Because you say I am rich and I've become wealthy and I have no need of anything and you do not know that you are actually wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked, I advise you to buy from me gold refined by the fire so that you may become rich with white garments so that you may clothe yourself with the shame of your nakedness and will not be revealed. And I salve to apply to your eyes so that you may see to those whom I love, I rebuke and I discipline. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. The one who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit with me on the throne as I have overcome and sat with my father on his throne. The one who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches." This is the letter that John wrote to the church of Laodicea while sitting in a prison cell. And as I go over this, there's two questions. We're going to dive in verse by verse, and there's just two questions I want us to ask ourselves today. What is growing in your life? And who are you growing with? What is growing in your life? And who are you growing with? So if we're going to talk about growing and growing together, that's one of our values. We've already worshiped together today. We've already given together today. And now we're going to speak about growing together. If we're going to talk about growth, let's define that. Growth requires two things, movement and exposure. 
movement into the things of God, the character of Christ, and the guidance of the Holy Spirit, and exposure of anything that prevents that. Now, the enemy's job is to prevent exposure and to stop movement. If he can do that, he will stop your growth. Another thing I want to highlight before we get into this is that there's so many times when we talk about growth in Christianity, we can over-individualize it. We grow together. This is not just a you journey. This is not just a me journey. We are a family of believers. If Satan can isolate you, he can stop your growth. The moment you step into community and you grow with others is the moment that you will start to accelerate, that you will start to move forward into the things of God, the character of Christ, and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. This is a communal activity, not just an individual one. So from that framework, let's start at verses 15 and 16. Y'all, I'm pumped up. Uh, We're going to just start with the heavy hitter here. Talk about... uh, hot or cold. He says, I wish you were hot or cold, but because you're neither, I want to just throw you up out of my mouth. This is God speaking to the church of Laodicea. Now you might've heard, if you've ever heard a sermon on this passage before, you might've been given the interpretation that God wants you to be all for God or all for the world, but don't ride the fence because that's when you're like going to get spewed out of his mouth but let's just think about that for a second. I don't know that there's ever a scenario that God would ever want you to be all for the world. So what does this passage really mean? What is really being communicated to the church of Laodicea? See, this church uh, was situated between two big cities, and Laodicea was a big city, and it was situated between Colossae and Hierapolis, okay? These two cities. Now, Colossae was known for its cold springs, and people would go and they would drink this water and they would get refreshment after being out all day working and uh, in the fields and all of that. They would go and they would drink this water, and it was so refreshing. It was fresh, and it was cold. Like, have you ever just had like a hot day and you open up a cold water and you're like, oh my gosh, that's exactly what I needed. Yes, Colossae is your city. And then on the other side of Laodicea was a city called Hierapolis. And so this city was known for its hot springs. I remember I uh, visited my best friend in Colorado and we went into these natural hot springs that are created just in nature. I don't even understand how, but they're amazing. And when we sat there, this is what I thought about. I thought about, wow, these are like the hot springs that Hierapolis must have had. And, uh, and so people would sit in these hot springs and it would bring healing to their back or joints or anything that they were dealing with. It was something that would bring healing So there's aqueducts from either city that landed in Laodicea. And so that hot water mixed with that cold water created this lukewarm, sludgy water that everybody in Laodicea knew what this meant, what this letter meant when those references were given of hot and cold. And they all knew what that lukewarm meant. That lukewarm water in Laodicea, nobody could drink it because it was full of bacteria. It was stagnant water. It was useless. Now, when we talk about growth, 
it's good to understand that there was always going to be something growing in your life and something decaying in your life. It's just a matter of what's what. So the church in Laodicea, yes, they were growing, but they were growing stagnant. And what starts out stagnant will eventually turn toxic. So if we're in community with each other and we're allowing one another to remain in a stagnant place, that stagnant place will eventually turn toxic. And that's what John was talking to this church about. He was warning them because he loved them and said, hey, listen, I see that you guys have come, become so complacent in your faith, stagnant in your walk with God. You're not doing anything to further the kingdom. You're not growing together. And he called them out. He called them out, which can be tough to hear sometimes, right? Like, it's like we like to be the one to call other people out. But then when the finger is pointed at us, it's like, yo, hold up. <laughs> but John did that for this community. So I ask you, what is growing in your life? And who are you growing with? I have found that parenting is one of the most exposing things you will ever embark on. Uh, if you're a parent watching right now, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There are going to be days that every ounce of impatience that you have is exposed. <laughs> and it might happen all in just five minutes. Uh, my, my little Sayla, I mentioned she's our firecracker. I think she has um, the willpower to outlast the most hardcore Marine. Like, she can probably just about outlast anybody, and then she'll turn around two seconds later, hug you, kiss you, and melt your heart. Um, but I have seen in my parenting journey that there's been times where things that get exposed, and I have to take a reflection back at myself and say, the way I just reacted to that, what does that say about what's growing inside of me? Wow. And what does that say about what's decaying inside of me? And sometimes you have to address it in real time. Okay, this is true story, guys. Don't judge me. This is so like cringe, weird Christian, but my girls were fighting one time and I was just at my wits end as far as like, I I've, I've tried all the things. I don't know what to do at this point. So I stood in between them. I put a hand on each head and I just started speaking in tongues. <laughs> and I think they were so shocked and they just didn't know what was happening <laughs> that they stopped. And I just looked at him and I said, girls, we all need to pray right now because mommy is very, very frustrated and I need the Holy Spirit because I can't do this right now. And so we all prayed together. I think it just shocked them because they had no idea what was going on, but that was in my favor. I, and I tried it since then and it hasn't worked since. So it was a one and done thing, <laughs> but sometimes you just need it in the moment. God, I am being exposed right now. <laughs> And I don't like what it's showing. I don't like what it's showing that's growing inside of me, but also thank you for the exposure because I can't grow without it. So what's growing in your life and who are you growing with? We're moving on to verses 17 and 18. It says, because you say I am rich and have become wealthy and have no need of anything. How pious is that? I've become rich. I've become wealthy. I have no need of anything. And you don't even know that you are actually wretched. This is what God is saying to the church of Laodicea. Why is he saying this? Let's learn a little bit more about this church. I said they were a big city, but they were a big trade city. Imports and exports. And so with that, 
they were rich. They had everything they needed. This Christian community had everything that they needed. They were self-sufficient. So I mentioned that the enemy's job is to prevent exposure and to prevent movement. How is he gonna do that? Well, self-sufficiency is gonna prevent exposure and apathy is gonna prevent movement. Self-sufficiency is gonna is gonna prevent exposure, and apathy is going to prevent movement. And so this church had become so self-sufficient, they didn't need, or they felt like they didn't need God. They could just slap a, oh, we're a Christian, but there wasn't actually a need there. I'm reminded of Matthew 5, 3, and it just says, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs, is the kingdom of God. What does that mean? Blessed are those who realize their need for Christ, for they will see heaven. If you don't understand that you need Jesus, you will never understand where, you're, where you need to grow. These people did not understand that they needed Jesus. But Jesus tells them, I advise you to buy from me gold refined by the fire so that you may become rich with white garments so that you may clothe yourself in the shame of your nakedness. What he's referring to right there, see, self-sufficiency is not a new thing. This is, this is literally the first sin to ever be uh, created in the garden, self-sufficiency. This is what separated us from God. If you look at Adam and Eve, back in Genesis 3, you look at Adam and Eve, it says that they chose to eat of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, the one thing that God told them not to do. And then after they realized their wretchedness and their nakedness, what did they do? They thought, oh, I can take care of this. I don't need to go to God for this. I've got this. And so they clothed themselves with leaves and they hid. They chose self-sufficiency over going to the Father. What's crazy about that account in scripture is that it says that they hid because they were afraid of what God would say, but God showed up in the garden just like he did every other day. Nothing changed on God's part. The only thing that changed was that they no longer trusted God to take care of their mess. They thought, no, I can do it. I can take care of this. Paul refers to this as will worship in 1 Corinthians. And he says that what we fall prey to is that we worship our own willpower to handle something instead of asking for the Holy Spirit's power to handle something. And we say, oh yeah, I've got this addiction. I got this. I don't need to tell anybody about this. I don't want it to be exposed, right? I don't want this to be exposed, but I got this. I'll take care of this. Oh, I'm dealing with a lot of bitterness. I don't want anybody to know, so I got this. I'll handle this. And we worship our own willpower over the Spirit's power. And the spirit is the only one who has the power to break through, to expose, and to move us forward and to the things of God. But self-sufficiency will prevent that every single time. But God's grace also covers it and finds us and stays constant and stays present every single time. So what's growing in your life and who are you growing with? What's growing in your life and who are you growing with? Verses 19 and 20, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. 
Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. Uh, I remember growing up, if I ever got in trouble, my mom and dad, you know, it was the classic line, like, this hurts me more than it hurts you. And I was like, no, it doesn't. That's a lie. Okay, that is a, that is a straight up lie. But there was something else my mom always told me, and it's crazy because now I tell my girls the same thing, uh, but she always told me, she, baby girl, God put me as your mommy. And with that, I have the responsibility to love you so deeply that I would not allow you to continue in this behavior. That is why, that is why there are consequences to the actions and to the choices that you just made, because I love you, because I love you so deeply. God loves us and he proves that love for us in the fact that he will not let us stay sludgy water. He will call us out of it every time. He will call us out of it every single time. And that's what he does right here. This is a heavy hitter, y'all. This verse, it's two short verses, but we're gonna camp here just for a second because God reveals in this verse that he's got a plan. So he's called Laodicea out. Y'all are self-sufficient. Y'all are trying to hide things from me. Y'all are lukewarm, sludgy water, and I'm calling you out of this. I won't let you stay here. I I want to bring exposure. I want to bring movement. I want you to bring refreshing to the world. I want you to bring healing to the world. We're calling you out of this. And what means does he use to do that? The body of Christ, community, grow together. I remember when I first saw my husband, <laughs> um, like, yeah, like it was yesterday. I mean, for, for two main reasons. One would definitely be the biceps. That was like, that stood out right away. I was like, who that? And then the other one was that he had this superpower. When I met him, um, whenever he would walk into a room, music just started playing like, one, you like a dream come true, two, just wanna be with you. Okay. Who that? And I was just like, I have to meet this man, number one. Number two, I got to convince this man to marry me. So I started plotting and scheming. But as I was asking around about this man, what stood out to me was that he was known for flawless character. Everybody spoke so highly of his character, of his zeal for Christ, of his consistency as a man of God. And I said, that is a man that I want to marry. Do you know why? Because I was looking for a life partner that would want to grow together, not stay apathetic together, not condone each other's faults, but call each other out of them. And so I remember when we were dating and you know, I was trying to play it cool because I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make this happen, but we trying. And so I remember we were dating and we would have conversations and I would just ask him like, hey, what do you think about this when scripture says this? Just to see like, is he really a man of God, right? And we would go back and forth, back and forth. And I loved that not only did he push back, but he welcomed my pushback. That's where you get iron, sharpens iron. We see that in scripture. It talks about uh, when we are growing together, it's iron sharpening iron. And maybe you don't know what that feels like because you've surrounded yourself with fluff. Fluff is gonna say, 
okay, yeah, that's great. Like, I don't want to disrupt anything. No, you do you. You do you, boo. I didn't want a partner like that. I want a partner that the end of our life together, me and my spouse can look at each other and we can say, wow, baby, thank you that I love Christ and the world better because of what you called out of me and vice versa. I feel like there's somebody watching right now and when we talk about grow together, you're in a relationship right now and you're worn out because you're trying to make it work with somebody who's stagnant. You have a desire to grow. You have a desire to move forward into the things of God but you're exhausted. And do you know why? Because you are. Like an engine, a spark starts an engine and then it moves, right? And then that car moves. You are exhausted because you are trying to light a spark in their life, in their spiritual life. You can't grow for someone. You can only grow with someone. And if that someone in your life is not wanting to grow themselves, Ask yourself the hard question today. How is that affecting you? What is growing in your life because you're holding on to something that is stagnant? Because remember, what starts out stagnant will eventually go toxic. So I release you to pray over that today. And I believe that God has something so beautifully in store for your future. Don't hold on to what you have right now because you're afraid that nothing better will ever come along. Believe in God's best for you because he has never changed and he never will. The church in Laodicea was called out because they weren't growing together. They were all just saying, yeah, man, it's okay. You do that. Yeah, that's fine, man. And do you know what they were actually doing? At this time, uh, his name is Domitian and he was the Roman emperor. And he was actually the first Roman emperor to declare himself a god before he died. Normally they would become uh, deified after they died, but while he was still alive, he said, I am a God. And he wanted everybody to worship him, except for the Jews, the Jews didn't have to. So for a little bit, Christians were kind of put in the Jewish category. But when they separated themselves and declared that Jesus was the Messiah, now they were under persecution from Domitian. So he told them, you will not be able to sell, you will not be able to trade, you will not be able to buy unless you worship me. So this church in Laodicea said, oh, well, we're self-sufficient. We can't lose that. We can't lose our wealth and our power and all of these things because we're self-sufficient. So why don't we just compromise a little bit here and there and we'll just do a little idol worshiping so that we can maintain our self-sufficiency and their self-sufficiency became their salvation and replaced their relationship with God. And then they wonder why they're sludgy water because they have invited all of these other things into their spirituality. And it's all getting sludged up in there. And so John calls them out of it. And he says, listen, this is what's creating your spiritual climate. This is what's creating that sludgy water that God is talking about. You guys have to start holding each other accountable. Have you ever heard the, pl- the, the term safe place? This is a safe place. I've used that term, and I've been in circles where that term is used. But I've noticed that it can be used one of two ways. It can be used one way where it says, nothing you say in this space will be held accountable. 
Or it can be used in another space where it says, you can say anything and I will love you just the same. I will not judge where you are with Christ or who you are as a believer, but because I love you, I will always speak truth. Both of those are called safe places. One of those is a climate for apathy and one of those is a climate for growth. And so the kind of climate that he's talking about here is a climate that says, to those whom I love, I rebuke and I discipline. To those whom I love. So again, I ask you, what is growing in your life and who are you growing with? We're gonna close out with verses 21 and 22. The one who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat with my father on his throne. The one who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. I absolutely love how this ends. I love how this letter ends because even though the church of Laodicea was involved in some pretty crazy stuff, idol worship and all of the things that came along with that. And they were compared to this sludgy water. They were called wretched. All of these things still at the end, Jesus says, he says to them, listen, accept the Holy Spirit that I have left for you. And you will partake in the same journey that I partook in. You will sit with me in heaven as I sit with my father in heaven. It's heavy what he was asking them to do. If we really understand this letter, he was asking the church of Laodicea to endure persecution. To endure persecution. And yet Jesus did the same thing. He's not going to ask us to do anything that he hasn't partaken in in himself. And he said, listen, you are going to partake in my suffering. You're also going to partake in my victory. You will be with me. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And God has called us to bring that kingdom here now. We don't have to wait for that. The fruits of the spirit can provide that kingdom now as we allow the Holy Spirit to do this work and to flow. So here's the really cool conclusion for the church of Laodicea. And you don't find this in Revelation, but if you study this church, after they received this letter, there was a revival that hit this church And notice it said back in verse 19, therefore be zealous and repent. Be zealous and repent. Exposure is going to lead to confession. And movement is going to lead to change. They found themselves in a place where they said, okay, we've got to get real. And we need to confess in a community that we as a body of believers have been making some pretty messed up decisions. We've been condoning things. We've been putting our stamp of okay. We haven't been speaking up. We've just, hey, everybody, this is a safe space. Just everybody do you. And then they came together as a community and revival hit this community. And do you know that they went on to plant over 20 churches in Laodicea, one of them being one of the largest churches to be excavated in the area, stretching over a block. That is what God wants to move you into. They thought that they were leaving behind their self-sufficiency, but really what they were doing was accepting God's abundance. 
saying yes to God, saying yes to all that God had for them. And I believe that that's what God wants for you today. That's what he wants for our church. That's what he wants for our community, for us to say yes to him, yes to his abundance. And I'm so excited for what God's gonna do in your life. So you might be asking, how do I even get started with this? How, how, do, I, how do I grow and how do I find people to grow with? I'm happy you asked. One of my closest friends here, I met in a grow group. And she was going through a really tough time. She met with Pastor Julian and he told her, hey, you need a community to grow with. And so she randomly joined a group. It it happened to be the group that me and my husband were leading. And now over a year later, we have formed a beautiful friendship. And I have seen her grow bounds and bounds and I have grown through this friendship. So I want to give the same challenge to you. You need to find a community to grow with. So what do you do about that? Have an honest conversation with God. You need to have an honest conversation with God. The things that you've been holding on to, the things that you've been clutching so tight, the things that you've been trying to hide in your own willpower that you don't want God to see, you need to have an honest conversation with God where everything gets exposed. And you say, God, here's this and here's this and I'm struggling with this and this and this and this. Lay it all out there because you've got to start somewhere. So why not just get honest and vulnerable with God? And then from there, I would say, join a group, join a group. I'm, I'm leading a grow group uh, virtually for some ladies and we're going through spiritual disciplines together. It has impacted my life so deeply. Uh, join a group and from there, you, you can't just join a group. You have to take initiative to build relationships from that group. It's not going to just happen. Growth doesn't just happen. You have to take initiative into the process. And so I invite you to do that. And finally, as we close today, there's something really cool I want to do with you. And we can all do it together, everybody in this room. But there's an ancient practice of prayer that's called withholding and offering. Withholding and offering. And I want us to do that together today. Uh, Wherever you are, if you could just pause for a second. And what you're going to do is you're going to put your two hands down like this. And I want you to picture in each hand anything that you've been withholding from God. Anything that is preventing growth, that is preventing exposure, preventing movement in your life into the things of God, the character of Christ, and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Just think on those things in your mind right now. You're clutching them so tight. You're holding on to it. You're trying to make it work in your own self-sufficient willpower. And then I just want you to flip your palms up and offer those things up to God. Offer those things up to God. God, I've been really impatient. I give that to you. God, I've been dealing with some anxiety. I've been trying to handle it on my own. I give that to you. Go through this process of withholding and offering up those things to God and let your physical posture match what your spiritual posture is doing in this moment. And I encourage you to do that today. Can I pray for you? God, we thank you for your word, that it is alive, that it is active, that it is renewing us. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for this community. 
God, we thank you that you love us so much that you won't let us stay where we are, that you're calling us onward as a community and as individuals. And so I pray, Father, that today there would be exposure, that there would be breakthrough, that there would be freedom, that there would be movement, that there would be joy where there used to be anxiety. Father, that there would be peace where there used to be fear. Father, where anger was growing, I pray that there would now be joy. We pray all of these things, Jesus, that we would grow the things that you want us to grow and the things in our life that are not of you, that those things would decay. We love you, God, and we thank you for who you are. In your name we pray, amen. I love you, Oasis. Thanks for tuning in today.